So here's the thing, entrepreneurs, leaders, salespeople, we all want to create consistent, repeatable, and scalable ways to grow our business and our income. And we want to do it better, faster, and more seamlessly. Why? So we can actually enjoy our lives, take vacations, and spend the quality time we want with the people that we love. How do we do all this without spending a fortune or running ourselves ragged? That's the big question, and this show is dedicated to the answer. Hey, welcome back to the podcast. So if I told you today, we want to explore how do we solve some of the problems that small teams face, that brokerages face, but I would even also argue family and friends and communities face, which is sometimes the, the tension in our culture, the tension in trust, the tension that, that creates too much debate, too much argument, too much ill will that just stops us from having fun, joy, happiness, and in the workplace, having speed, being aligned, making things happen, serving our customers. So to help us do that, I asked the CEO of Game Day to come in and spend some time with us. So Katrina, Kat, Katrina, Katrina, Katrina is fine. Okay, either way, I'm thinking about Instagram, I, right? I briefly Kat. had to change it to cat okay. when the hurricane of 2005 hit the United States. <laughs> there had to be something there. So yeah, now but... I feel like it's safe to yes. go back to Katrina. Yes. Safe is another interesting word that we'll probably unpack today. Oh. So for the person that's listening, um, you know, my audience are entrepreneurs. The, the individual right now could be listening even with their team or they're just they're just obsessed about getting better. And they feel some of the same tensions that I feel, that many of your clients feel when you have a team, you have a brokerage, you have a company, you have a family of people with different thoughts and opinions. How do you create alignment? How do you make sure the culture is right? So maybe give, give us like the backstory. How did you get to this point? And let's talk about what your business does and let's get into the weeds of the how. Is that cool? Awesome. Yes. So um, I actually fell into HR just mm -hmm. like most HR professionals sure. do. You don't, sure. you don't have dreams as a little girl. Like yeah. I really want to solve people's emotional work problems. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> so I, I fell into it. My passion actually was sports. Okay. I really love basketball. I have a huge passion for yeah. it. I played it not very well. So I coached it, did a little bit better. And then I became a basketball official um, at the high school and college level. Yes. And so I really enjoyed doing that. Um, then I had a baby mm -hmm. and I had to get a real job. And so I was recruited by a third-party staffing company, and I did really well recruiting. I think I was able to utilize the skills that I had learned being a mm -hmm. coach and mm -hmm. understanding players and a team and right. how to build a team around certain players. Yeah. And um, at some point, a client of mine ended up poaching me and offered, hey, do you want to just recruit for us exclusively? Mm -hmm. It kind of transformed the position from being a sales position, which is what third-party staffing is, yes. um, to an actual recruiting position. So I started doing that, and then that investment group started new brands. Mm -hmm. And so I started helping them with HR, and I really liked it. I think that HR, when I was an employee, um, was a very sterile kind of department. Mm -hmm. um, and when I had problems, I used to be a disgruntled employee myself. I was in retail banking at the early part of my career. When I had problems, they weren't really there yeah. to help me. And so I really set out to change the way the world thought about HR from there and from being this like sterile cost center to being a profit driving whole human organization right. where I can say things like ass and talk about my weekends freely and and, and not, you know, this idea of you can't be a friend to anybody when you're in HR, but mm -hmm. taking that 
turning it over on its head and saying, you can be friends with everyone. Yes. In fact, it's your job. So some people would say, you know, when you look at HR traditionally, like sitting inside so many executive meetings and I say, okay, well, who's going to run people? And they immediately say HR. I'm like, no, HR is like compliance. You know, it's like comp. It's, it's, it's like, it's all these sort of very important things that need to be done, but have nothing to do in my opinion with culture the vibe of the company, the energy of the company, the heartbeat of the company. So kind of on one extreme, it's like, let's not get in trouble. And the other side is like Wendy from Billions, right? Who's mm -hmm. like the, you know, the sort of on TV, the ultimate performance coach to get people out of a funk. Mm -hmm. it, it sounds like you're leaning more towards the Wendy side. And I think for the person listening right now, that's kind of what they're trying to figure out. Like, how do we establish culture? Right? Like, yeah. how do you establish it? And then how do you actually make it happen? Because it's easy to write down a bunch of values on a wall. Mm -hmm. It's really hard to make that translate every day in the way you behave. So that is what, what have you, like going back to whether it was the, you know, on the coaching side, right? In, in basketball or in business, for, for the person listening right now, what do you think is the two or three biggest mistakes you see people making? Sure. Going back to your Wendy reference, yeah. I before I watched that show, I had multiple people come to me and say that I reminded them of Wendy. Yes. And so, that, do you wear leather at night? And, and so that's all right. I, <laughs> if you don't I know watched, what I'm talking about, you need to watch the show. Otherwise, you're like, like fairy. That was rude. No. Yeah. So I'm like telling, you know, yeah. I'm in a relationship, and I'm telling this person, like, oh my gosh, like so many people tell me I remind them of Wendy. Yeah. We watch like episode one, yes. and she's like a dominatrix burning her husband with a cigarette, and he's looking at me like, why do they say you're like her? And I'm like texting them like, what the hell guys yes. and I obviously started watching it so that yes. was it's funny that you bring yes. her up because yes. I I definitely do relate to that character very right. much and right. so it's so much more than compliance and you know the acronym that we use mm -hmm. is CARED mm -hmm. and it's C-A-R-E-D compliance is just one fifth right. of the entire system so when you what are the other five so when or you the other four you when you audit your organization for cared mm -hmm. compliance is number one mm -hmm. acquiring talent and the ability mm -hmm. to do so is number two retaining that talent is number three um, establishing OKRs is number four I love it and developing is number five so compliance is just one fifth mm -hmm. of HR um, HR so let's go through it one more time so compliance, compliance right making sure that you know everything is done the right way and you know especially in, in a COVID environment right. in California you know, in New York, different from maybe other parts of the country. It's Compliance. Maslow's period, right? right. Um, pyramid, sorry. Yes. It's like you can't really go, get to the other levels until Correct. you're out of survival mode. And, right. and being a compliant organization is survival, yeah. right? And when you you're, have to survive. When you're an entrepreneur or you're you're building your first business or you're starting, a, starting going from a solo to a team, you got to get compliance right. Yes. Should people outsource that or insource that? In you know, the early days. If you're small, you can definitely outsource it. Mm -hmm. And there's multiple ways you can mm -hmm. outsource it. You can use a PEO, uh, mm -hmm. a payroll company mm -hmm. like Insperity or ADP Total Source, right. um, where they'll handle all of that for you. And you kind of have a one-stop shop. You pay this one fee. Yeah. It covers your workers' comp. It covers benefits and um, termination insurance just in case. And they'll kind of work with you. But it is co-employment. Mm -hmm. um, so when that happens, you are kind of at the mercy of them to True. approve termination and things yep. like that. And yep. you're also paying a markup on, on the payroll. So there, right. that's one outlet a small company can get mm -hmm. to. At some point, though, you're going to want to pull out of there just yeah. because of the cost won't make sense at, right. to a certain level. Right. Um, and what at what at what level do you think that is? So there's 31 million businesses in the U.S., but people listen to this podcast all over the world, but just for easy math, because I know it, mm -hmm. only 4% do north of a million dollars a year in revenue. 
Think about that. Right. 31 million businesses, right? That's your TAM, that, right? That's right. Think about it. Like it's huge. Only 4% do more than a million. So is this a $500,000 a year situation? Is it a, is it a number of employees situation? And again, we're going to go through all four of these, but I want to just get this one right for people. Yeah. It's the number of employees. Okay. Um, so at some point when you're, I would say around the 25 employee mark, you should start looking at exiting the PEO. So, so in my world, the person listening right now might have 25 people on their team, mm -hmm. but they might only have six FTEs and the balance are all independent contractors. Mm -hmm. Same rule apply? I think a PO is fine yeah. for that size. Yes. Okay, good, good. Okay. So compliance. The next one, if you're cared is acquisition of, of talent. Acquiring talent, yeah. your ability to acquire talent. So how long is it taking you to fill positions? How often are you getting actually qualified candidates mm -hmm. through the door? Mm -hmm. What does your employer branding look like? These mm -hmm. are things that companies or brokerages should mm -hmm. really start looking at mm -hmm. is what is your employer brand? You do right. all of this um, all of these strategies and initiatives to market to customers and new customers, but are you doing the same from an employer standpoint? Are you right. marketing your organization as a, an employee choice, right. you know, as, right. as, as a organization people actually want to work for? Yes. Have you found uh, best practices in that? In acquiring talent, 100%. It was funny. It was in your mm -hmm. lobby. I was eavesdropping on a phone interview. Yeah. Um, and I was listening to it, just, you know, kind of marking down some feedback. And yeah. it really starts Good. with the job advertisement. Yeah. Um, so what are you saying about your company? What is the first impression people are getting in the job advertisement? Not just Googling a job description and pasting it, but your company, how does your company different, your brokerage mm -hmm. different from everybody else? And mm -hmm. so we have this section that we call, you know, the game changer of job advertisements. And it's the what we can do for you section. Yeah. So it's not just perks and benefits, but actually because we're smaller, you know, we're going to give you insight to a trillion dollar industry or mm -hmm. we're going to help you develop certain skills or we're going to enhance your natural talents. Just something that mm -hmm. isn't necessarily quantitative, but qualitative about your organization um, should be a whole section in the job advertising. It almost sounds like it needs to be a better story versus just the the job description is blah, 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 blah. Right. The comp is blah, blah. You know what I mean? Right. So, job description to me, the, the, yeah. the duties and responsibilities go last. Yeah. Um, oh, so, I love that. So Give me the order. First is company overview. Mm -hmm. So this is where you're going to write two to three sentence about mm -hmm. your company um, in a way that is most desirable. So for example, we have a client, I love using this example. Mm -hmm. um, they manufacture asphalt sealant. Yes. It's not the sexy. sexy. Yeah, it's yes. not the sexiest yes. organization. <laughs> yeah. However, right. the turnover there is extremely low. The mm -hmm. employees don't mm -hmm. leave mm -hmm. because of the culture that they've created mm -hmm. over the last few years. And so their company overview is going to start with, yes, we do this thing, but here's our mission of why we do this thing. And right. here's why we're so successful. It can include pictures. It can include links to publications. It can just as much as you can provide the reader mm -hmm. at first impression is going to be really important. After company overview, you're going to have um, the what we can do for you section. Mm -hmm. After that, you're going to have perks and benefits. After that, you can now talk about qualities to succeed in this role. And then you're going to have duties and responsibilities at the very end, because at that point, you've already captured the reader. They're yeah. already locked in. Right. They've already committed so much time in reading your advertisement. Mm -hmm. So the likelihood that they are going to apply for that position is very high. I love that. 
It's just very different. I mean, I just, I've got to quote my teammates here. Like that's very different from certainly how we do it now. Hence the reason why you're, if you're watching this, why I'm probably taking more notes than you. <laughs> Always coachable. All right. So, so acquisition of talent, at what point do you need someone that is just a full-time recruiter? You have to be able to- Or should we? Should we always outsource it? Not necessarily. You mm -hmm. have to be able to justify the cost, yeah. right? The annualized cost. Mm -hmm. um, so if you're hiring six to 10 to 20 people annually, then mm -hmm. you probably could have a full-time recruiter in-house, right. right? And this is happening every year. You're a yes. high growth yes. brokerage or yep. you're a high growth company. Team, yep. um, but if it's just one or two people kind of coming and going, you can probably outsource it um, mm -hmm. or you can have just somebody Someone on the internal admin team or taking sales care of it, or, exactly. Yes. Okay. Cool. Um, biggest other, any other big mistakes? Cause a lot of the people that are watching this, the individual right now is like, yeah, I want to grow my team. Yeah. This is an opportunity. The market's funky, but this is, this is when we shine. So I need more talent. Any other mistakes they should avoid? Yes. Interviewing mistakes. Um, mm -hmm. So oftentimes when I'm listening in on interviews, mm -hmm. it's just, you're having a conversation um, and you might be really great at having a conversation, but are you extracting the information that you mm -hmm. really need during the short time that you have with that candidate? Yes. So, for example, you go through the standard questions. Tell me more about yourself. Why did yeah. you apply to our company? Yeah. You know, why should we hire you? Mm -hmm. What are your short term and long term goals? I think that's all fine. Mm -hmm. However, what is more important, or at least what I would want to know, is can this person effectively do the job? Yes. And it's not just can they perform tasks but can they achieve outcomes mm -hmm. that are set before them? And so oftentimes we have job descriptions that just have a laundry list of tasks. Mm -hmm. um, however, sometimes doing those tasks are not gonna get you closer to achieving the outcome. And I'll give you a social media example. Yeah. So a task may be to post on our social media account every day. Well, what's the reason why we're doing that? Well, because we wanna grow our audience, okay, but what if you don't have to post every day to grow the audience? Right. What if you can do maybe two to three really effective posts throughout the week and that's growing the audience? Mm -hmm. So so we have a review period and now my social media manager comes to me and I give them their review. I'm like, you didn't achieve these outcomes, but you told me I had to do all these things. I did all I, the I things you told me I posted once a day. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I and used so, all the company hashtags. Right, yeah. right. And so you have to get people out of the task mindset and yeah. focus on the outcomes Bingo. that they're supposed to achieve. And so in the interview process, mm -hmm. when I'm hiring for a new position, I already have those OKRs established. Bingo. So when I'm interviewing somebody in that short time, tell me about a time you achieved this specific outcome. What did you do? Mm -hmm. Tell me about a time you didn't. How did you improve it? So I'm really trying to understand the behaviors mm -hmm. of the candidate in front of me instead of getting to know them. Sure, that's fine. Yeah. But there are better questions you can ask to get to know them and how they're going to affect your organization and and if they're going to be happy right. working in this environment. So right. values are huge. One of the biggest mistakes organizations make is not having values. And I'm not talking about pretty canvases yeah. on the wall, but what, how are you defining those values and how are people being measured against those values? Mm -hmm. So if integrity is a value of yours, then how are you defining it? Are you defining it as doing what you say you'll do when you say you do it? Mm -hmm. That's something I can measure. I can mm -hmm. measure if Tom does what he says he's he going to do Tuesday when he four, says, it. yeah, right? he told me 930 today. He showed yeah. up at 940. Yeah. So he was out of integrity. Shit, she's this calling morning. me out of my own podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so 
But that's just an example. Yes. So so it's not just here are the values, yeah. but how are you defining them and how are you going to be the gatekeeper in those values, not just for yourself, but for everybody in the organization. So you need to interview for those too. And it's not tell me what integrity means, means to, to you. you. No, yeah. it's tell me about a time you missed a deadline. Mm -hmm. Why did that happen? How did you go about fixing it? And if they're like, well, what happened was is I gave it to my boss and my boss didn't do it. They're not somebody who's accountable, not right? Responsibility, right? Exactly. So you have to know who this person is, what their mm -hmm. strengths are going to be, mm -hmm. and then maybe what their blind sides are going to be. And you have to use the short time you have with them in an interview to mm -hmm. figure that out. Bingo. It feels like there a lot of people today you you have more optics on this than I do, but every CEO I talk to says hiring's hard right now, right? Like finding talent is hard right now. And, and hey, I'm setting up interviews and literally people are no-showing and they're six-figure, you know, director level, manager level, VP level, no-showing. Mm -hmm. And like, I've never seen that in my career before. Why is that? I've never seen it in my career either. Okay. Um, so there's something that that organization is doing that makes the candidate feel like this isn't worth my time. Yeah. So it's not that there's not enough talent. It's just mm -hmm. that talent doesn't want to work for you. Yeah. And you're, you're not putting That's your best That's the most honest. I love and, and <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm My organization, I'm thinking like 10 different CEOs that I've talked to that are not just in real estate, they're in other, and they're just like, it's just hard. Mm -hmm. Like they're doing it themselves, right? Like CEOs of companies are going into LinkedIn on Friday night and spending yeah. all their time because they feel like they can make that connection with people and they're getting good results there, but they're like falling short on their internal recruiting efforts. So I actually don't think CEOs should do the recruiting mm -hmm. for their organizations. Mm -hmm. I think they're too emotionally involved yeah. with the organization. So Tell me more about that. So I have a client. They have over 150 employees, 65 yeah. locations across the nation. And I do. I still, my organization still does all of their corporate hiring, mm -hmm. even though they're big enough to hire somebody sure. internally. They're, they're not in on all my interviews, um, mm -hmm. but I will tell you, one of the things I do talk about with candidates is I'm very transparent about that organization. I talk about, hey, we just did a climate survey. Here are what employees said were strengths, mm -hmm. and here are things that are priorities that we're right. working toward. And so I'm not here kind of selling the dream to them. I'm mm -hmm. very honest with them mm -hmm. about the challenges of the organizations, right. but also what's really great about working for that organization. Mm -hmm. CEOs are blind sometimes sure. to their own challenges and sure. their own Is personal she talking to me challenges. Right now? <laughs> <laughs> so, of course. You know, it's like, it's great. Or we no, have this it's, thing, it's and the, our company's yeah. amazing. And, yeah. and it's like, yeah, sure. Yeah. It's, it's, Yes, and there's yeah. like all of these other things right. happening. You have to talk about the holes. You got to talk, talk about, about the, about the yeah. challenges yeah. or else why are you, if, if right. your organization is so great, right. why are you hiring then? Yeah. Why, like, why is this position, position being hired for? Who right. left? Why right. did they leave? Right. You know, so they paint this, this unrealistic picture and it's great to, to talk to the CEO, but that really shouldn't happen until the final interview. Yeah. Agreed. I love this. This yeah. is so, this is awesome. <laughs> this is super valuable. Okay. Retention. Retention. So turnover is a huge topic in HR. Right. We have we're in this era called uh the great resignation and or they're calling everybody's quiet trying quitting to Yeah, quiet and, quit. Yes, everybody's calling yeah, it something yeah, um yeah, different. Yeah. Um however, retaining talent is probably the most important things organizations should be focusing on. Mm -hmm. Um and so and it's not money. It's not money. Um studies show that of the people during the great resignation mm -hmm. that left their organizations, 52% of them regretted it. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Because Interesting. it wasn't what they thought it would be. Yeah. So 
So what happened so is- 52% of the people that left in a survey regretted leaving. Like grass wasn't greener, yeah. even though they were yeah. making much more money. Sure. Um, the grass wasn't greener. And then that doesn't include the percentage of people that ended up being laid off right. because of the inflated salaries that they were being offered. Sure. Um, so- Retaining talent is is really what builds the culture because if you're just a constant revolving mm -hmm. door, right. then you can't really build a culture because yeah. you're constantly training new people on the culture and it, you're just not going to have any sustainability there. It's just not sustainable to have high turnover. So retaining talent, some of the things that we're looking at is how do the employees feel about this mm -hmm. organization? Yeah. And so one of the tools that we use is a climate survey. Um, and What's inside the climate survey? It's basically an employee survey. And so yeah. there are three main questions that we're really looking for. And this is how we're going to measure, uh, measure engagement. Mm -hmm. So the three questions that we will ask is, if offered the same position with another company, would you stay with this company instead? Yeah. Yeah. Um, how satisfied are you? In your kind of current net, position. Net score, right. <laughs> right. Yes. And that's exactly how yeah. we measure it is through ENPS. Yeah. Yeah. So we're asking what, these. What's the third question? Oh my gosh, I just drew a blank. Sorry, um, the third I question. I apologize. Uh, the third question is. So if you if you were offered the same job someplace else, yes, would you stay? And then overall job uh, yeah. satisfaction, yeah. and then, oh my gosh, I can't think of it. I just did the, a webinar on it. Um, let me come back to that uh, one. Yeah. But there's a third question that we use in order to have a blended rate for mm -hmm. engagement. Yeah. Um, and. It's, it's bothering what's me. The, what's the it. outcome you're striving for? The outcome is we want to benchmark what engagement right. is in the first place, right? right? So right. We, have, we have clients that come to us or companies mm -hmm. and they're like, our turnover is not good. Like, how do we fix it? I'm like, okay, what is it? Mm -hmm. Well, I don't know. They haven't even measured it. So how right. do you know if it's not good or, yeah. or not, you know? And how can we improve it if we don't know what it is? So in the climate survey, we want to measure what the employee engagement is mm -hmm. so we can benchmark it. And then how, we're- How are you defining engagement? Engagement is an employee feels connected to the organization. Mm -hmm. They want to develop within that organization. They're looking for career growth mm -hmm. and they care mm -hmm. about the work that they're doing and the overall mission of the organization. Yes. So disengagement is the exact yeah. opposite. Yeah. Hey, it's Tom Ferry. Question, what's your favorite social media platform? Are you big on Insta? Do you love to tweet? No matter where you answer, I'd love for you to connect with me there. All you got to do is just type in at Tom Ferry and follow and let's you and I connect. I want to be able to deliver the right content, the right ideas, the ways to help you grow your business, stay fired up, keep moving, be in action and run plays that work and the platform that matters most to you. So subscribe and I'll see you there soon. Okay. So, so, um, I can't name names. Uh, one of my CEO friends mm -hmm. is in a think tank and the CEO of Microsoft is in the same group. Okay. And they're all sitting around this table, all talking about employee engagement. Mm -hmm. And and amongst a set of the group, it was, well, we just need to find more people that are committed. And the CEO of Microsoft said, so if it sounds like a third of our employees broadly amongst this group are fully engaged, what if we just spent the best? He's like, I have 300,000 employees. Mm -hmm. If I just spent all my time trying to get the 200,000 back in, that's easier than trying to go find more talent. Right. What is the ideal number? Because I mean, we hear these numbers, like like that's that's a common story we hear from pre-pandemic and certainly during pandemic and now post-pandemic. So what, what is the ideal number for employee engagement? 
So I remember that third question. The third question was, yeah. how likely is it that you would refer this company to family and friends? Yes. Okay. So yes. that was the third question. Um, back to the scoring mm -hmm. of engagement. So we, we do use an ENPS system. It's What's net, ENPS? It's Net person? Promoter Score yeah, with employee okay. on the front. What's it? Okay. Small yeah, e. Okay. Yeah, Small got e. It, got it. I was like, it's like no NPS, but yeah. Okay. So ENPS. ENPS. Cool. And so cool. the way it's met, if you're, if you're familiar with NPS, then mm -hmm. you know that anybody on a one to 10 score that scores a nine or 10 is considered a promoter. Yep. Um, anything six or below is considered a detractor mm -hmm. and everything in between seven and eights are pretty passive. Yeah. So the way you calculate it is you take the percentage of promoters and mm -hmm. you subtract the percentage of detractors and that is your ENPS score. Got it. And so if you can have an ENPS score for engagement, honestly, if you're over zero, you're okay. If you're between 10 and 30, mm -hmm. you're good. Okay. So, and then anything over 50 is pretty excellent. Cool. So if you're below zero, that's a problem. Yeah. Um, so 10 through 30, just for everybody listening, is, yeah. is, is healthy. That's a healthy engagement score. Good. So someone listening right now is going to say, God, I've got this smaller team and the market's changing and there's a lot of uncertainty. Hey, we, we weren't working in the office. Now we're back inside the office. Let's just call it any change. Mm -hmm. Typically when change happens, it ruffles people's feathers. Is there a better way to manage change? Like the person listening is going to deal with change as you and I do as CEOs of our company all the time. Mm -hmm. What's your strategy? Well, I think the pandemic was was very um, specifically different than no doubt. than any situations sure. in in the past um, because as a, a as global mm -hmm. citizens, mm -hmm. everyone everybody's values transitioned. Yep. So everything we thought we were and yes. everything we thought we wanted to do completely shifted, mm -hmm. not just for employees, but for organizations and for the business leaders behind those organizations. Right. So so what's happening, that that disengagement rate, the great resignation that we're talking about is basically two infants trying to communicate. I don't know who I am. I don't know what I want to do now. And then yeah. they're working for an organization and we don't know who we are. We don't know what we yeah. want to do now. And yeah. so... There's going to be a natural exodus mm -hmm. um, during that time. There's going to be a lot of movement because everybody's just trying to figure, figure out, out who am I and why am I here, right? Right. And so I think now, I don't want to say we have to throw away the data from the last couple of years, mm -hmm. but- Pande The pandemic years. The pandemic yeah. years. Yeah. yeah. I don't think we need to throw it away. I think though- we don't, ha it's not the end all be all mm -hmm. of, of my organization. People left because they were trying to grasp onto anything they can. Mm -hmm. And typically when people want change, they change their jobs or their relationship. Yeah. Those are the two biggest things people yeah. do. Um, so the jobs was just one of the things they were unhappy. They didn't know what they wanted. So they thought I'd change my job. And now we know that didn't help them either. Right. And um, so so that sh all of that movement, I think we can understand the data, but not use that data to define who we are today norm. as yeah. an organization. Yeah. And so when we talk about scoring and with the, the gentleman or the CEO that you talked mm -hmm. about, I don't, I don't know if it was a gentleman. Um, so typically, as you know, with Net Promoter, you can probably bump a seven or an eight into a nine or a 10. Mm -hmm. But it's true, like anybody six or below, mm -hmm. you're working X times harder right. trying to get them. They're not really going to, 
they've already established who you are as an organization, and it's going to be really hard to change mm -hmm. their mind about you. Bingo. So those people, I think you're okay with learning from those mistakes that that brought them down sure. to a detractor, right. um, but not putting a lot of emphasis and trying to move the ones, twos, and threes all the way up to yeah. a nine or a 10. And yeah. we had a situation like that where an organization had a lot of change. The founders phased out um, and they got a more sophisticated C-suite that came in yeah. and it was just a lot. It was a yeah. lot of change for the people right. that were had been there already. Right. And so um, somebody ended up leaving um, and I knew that that person was eventually going to leave. And I'm not saying that, that I wasn't going to try to save that person, mm -hmm. but I just knew that the efforts were going to be much more significant if I just looked for a replacement knowing that that person was eventually going to leave. Yeah. There's so, I mean, we could spend a day and a half or probably three on this subject because yeah. it's just, I mean, every CEO I talk to, every team leader I talk to is faced with all these challenges. Mm -hmm. So, so I love just the CARED acronym. So let, let's continue. So okay. compliance is one, acquiring talents next, retention is huge. Um, I think most people understand OKRs, but let's talk about it because I loved how you weaved it into mm -hmm. specifically in the interview process, your main outcome and your key results are, right? right. So, so whether it's for someone listening, EOS, it's big rocks, right? And, mm -hmm. and small pebbles right. or it's your daily actions, um, you know, leading to this end result. Um, how does that tie into company culture and how important is that to make sure that everybody in the organization really understands what are the key drivers or their key drivers of success? So performance reviews. I mm -hmm. don't believe that organizations should have performance reviews mm -hmm. unless they have OKRs established for the position. Right. And you'd be surprised at how many organizations do not mm -hmm. have OKRs established. And yeah. so what performance reviews end up being is how I feel about yeah. somebody. Yeah. And it's not it's yeah. not based off of data or numbers um, or facts. It's basically how I feel this person performed over the last six months or 12 months. And, and then we have, you know, we have that, the, the paradox of like recency. Yeah. So if that person irritated us the week before, their entire annual review is marked lower yeah. because our last interaction with them was not Framed great. Framed by irritation, right. exactly. Or, yeah. or vice versa, we forget mm -hmm. about all of the yeah. mishaps or violations or whatever they did the whole year. Yeah. Um, and we we feel like, well, they haven't bothered us in the last couple of weeks, so I'm going to give them a really great score. So establishing OKRs removes bias from yeah. performance, which inevitably creates vulnerabilities for an organization for discrimination. Yeah. So that's why establishing yeah. OKRs are yeah. super important when it comes to HR and culture. You yeah. have to you employees have some how much need of to what know, and by when, right? Yes. Yeah. Employees need yeah. to know how they're doing and if they're doing a good job or yeah. not. Yeah. And not, you know, kind of biting their nails going into their performance review with their supervisor, not knowing what their outcome is going to be in that performance right. review. They should know already what to expect because they've been told over and over again, mm -hmm. there's visibility into yeah. their OKRs. They know how they're doing. Yes. And so that's a huge part of culture because what happens is if I think I'm crushing it because my supervisor hasn't said anything to me, I'm doing all the tasks mm -hmm. that they told me to do. However, company outcomes aren't achieved or department outcomes aren't achieved. I go into my review and there's all this needs improvement remarks on there. Now I'm whiplashed right. by information right. and I'm pissed. Right. And so right. that in itself is toxic, like it creates a toxic employee. How do you balance between like, like I'm a, 
I'm, I'm a big fan of humans. You and are. I love data, right? I like but dogs. You, but you, but you, <laughs> dogs. <laughs> Sorry, Courtney. Um, uh, a lot of companies have gone so hard on data and then we forget the humanity, mm-hmm. right? And sometimes that's an outsourced solution. Sometimes it's a new piece of technology. We all want efficiency. We want speed. And, and nine out of 10 times, I'm going to bet on a human doing it better. And humans are flawed. Right. Humans have feelings, mm-hmm. right? And they, they're in their car and they're driving and gas is expensive and somebody cut them off and they show up in the office and they're an asshole. Right. Right. And that impacts everybody. Right. How do you manage to that? What, what do you have that are like just go-to plays for understanding humanness mm-hmm. and then getting people on track? So I think one, you want to create a culture that isn't so absorbed in their own ego. Yeah. Um, and just understanding that it's not personal most right. of the time. Right. Actually, it's not personal. And even but if that's that- okay, if you just stopped right there, mic drop. It's right. not personal. It's right. just the freaking numbers. Mm-hmm. But that's hard for people because because they make it personal. Mm-hmm. They don't see it as we're playing chess here. You know, we just got to keep moving the ball forward, sort of metaphorically, or just make another shot, make another free throw. How do we how do we get everybody to understand that? Starting with the CEO. Mm-hmm. I think organizations first need to define what winning means. Yeah. And a lot of organizations, especially actually big tech mm-hmm. organizations, have very conflicting outcomes. Yeah. So, for example, in a contact center, they want the customer to be you know, to rate them a 10 out of 10. Mm-hmm. However, they want them to spend the least amount of time talking to them. <laughs> exactly. And so those are very conflicting, right? And Do left you, you on hold for three minutes. Right, right. <laughs> yes. So which one is more important? Right. And so companies need to establish which outcomes are the most important. And mm-hmm. this is where values come yes. into play. So values aren't just pretty words. Mm-hmm. It's actually the the filter for decision making mm-hmm. because there's always going to be a fork in the road. Yep. Do we do this or do we do that? And your values are going to help you determine which way you end up going. Mm-hmm. And so if you don't have those values determined ahead of time, then you're kind of just going in circles, right? right. And then you're confusing people and create a toxic environment. People For are sure. pissed and, and you don't really have a way of having that conversation with somebody. So if I had an employee and she was bratty for whatever reason, mm-hmm. right? I would use our values to communicate that to her. Yeah. Right. So if one of our values is positivity, for example, right, I would I would approach her and say, hey, like the other day this thing happened to me and it sucked and I was pissed or whatever. So I know like what it's like to show up to work and just feel the weight of the world on your shoulders. What happened to you? recently mm-hmm. and how can we talk about that yeah. i think we're kind of that's done. the that's the wendy let's the si- wendy. side huddle let's get to the <laughs> let's get to the root cause let's get to the and root. how are you showing up for others how right. does that can impact your performance right, right. but if you don't mm-hmm. have values established right. then it becomes i feel like you're in a bad mood yeah, yeah, yeah right so instead of i it becomes here are the values of our organization yes. here are times when i know i was not aligned with the value. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It seems like you're going through a very similar situation that I yeah. am. Let's talk about it. What happened? And you get to the you, root you of it. Because you unpersonalize it. It's just this This occurred over here. Right. Right. And let's let's remember that's outside of the boundaries of our values. It's like parenting. Yeah. Um, one of the things that they say is not to, not to define your children with certain characteristics. So, for example, mm-hmm. you're not messy. Mm-hmm. You are being messy right now mm-hmm. because what happens is when we define them, then they start to believe label. it. And then everything Stuck they do yeah. is just proving that that yeah. label is 
correct. Yeah. And so you have to use those same tools with employees. So it's mm -hmm. not like, well, she's moody. Yeah. It's just, hey, this morning she came in. I wonder what she's going through yeah. at this time. Right. And so you have to you have to pull those characteristics and labels mm -hmm. out, out away from people. And it's so much of a like what I hear is be curious. Right. Versus just it's so easy to say, oh, you know, such and such, that dude's just in a bad mood, like whatever. Like what mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Versus mm -hmm. like, hey. Like what's going on? These are our values. This is what we're all about. It is about those sidebar one-on-one. -on -one. Let's go walk the lake, right? right. Have those conversations. The lake. Well, that, we got a little. There's a little lake, right? Oh. Here. Well, I don't know. It's like a little very man-made <laughs> lake with a couple of cute little turtles. Um, but like that walk of the lake is just about enough time mm -hmm. for the person to express what was going on and then acknowledge it. Okay, let's get back to work. Right. 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 So the, it's therapeutic lake for me. Right, yes. and I think the way the workforce is going mm -hmm. to evolve, and yeah. I think all organizations need to be prepared for that is, mm -hmm. is especially with remote work, it's, it's no longer your personal life and your business life. No. It's all blended now. Mm -hmm. We've seen all of the kids yeah. running across the screen and <laughs> we've seen the undressed family I know what members a lot of people's walking across bedrooms the screen. Look right. like we've yes. seen houses and bedrooms. Yeah. We know situations. Yeah. Yeah. And so it would be any company's best interest yeah. um, to provide tools to their employees that not only upskill them professionally, but also help them personally. Yes. And so that could be helping them define what their values are, doing mm -hmm. individual development plans, mm -hmm. D, yeah. and helping them achieve their career goals, whether those goals are with your organization or not, not? but yeah. still playing a role right. in the facilitation of their development. I think organizations really need to understand that this is a huge opportunity for them to set themselves apart from other organizations by taking a huge interest right. in their employees' personal lives. Right. Money, health, Career right. planning. Family. Exactly. Exactly. So development. So give me the list that you would attack. For developing. Yeah. So we do something called an individual development plan, and it mm -hmm. basically outlines what their values are, the things that they care about, mm -hmm. their short-term goals, their long-term goals, personally and professionally. Love it. And so from there, the workflow is a supervisor is going to help them kind of shape that plan ensuring that some of their goals are aligned with the company goals, for sure, example. Sure. Like if they're like, I want to win an Academy Award. Yeah. Like it's going to be kind of hard, right? Yeah. Unless you're in the yeah. movie yes. industry. Yes. Um, so every week they should be meeting about this individual development plan and the employee owns it, not the supervisor. So mm -hmm. if there's like two or three weeks you're coming to this meeting and you haven't done anything with your own development plan, I'm out. Right. So it's it's really the employee that has to own right. it. It's not the supervisor. Mm -hmm. um, so having those like consistent conversations. Okay, Tom doesn't want to be in accounting for that much longer. He wants to move over to marketing. Who could I introduce him to in Bingo. this company so he can get, understand what they're looking for and start mm -hmm. establishing that relationship with yep. them? So it has to be a combination of informal and formal training so that mm -hmm. person is developing. It could be books that they need to read, whether they're self-development books, spiritual books, mm -hmm. whatever it is. Right. Um, it, there should be a plan that's put together. I love it. I love it. I, I think we got through one of my questions. Oh, all right. <laughs> no, but this has been fantastic. Uh, I know for the person listening right now, they're going to say, has she written a book? How do I get more of this? I want to go deeper on, you know, R and maybe a little more on O. Um, what's the best way for people to reach out and say help? 
So if you really want my help, yeah. then you should definitely sign up for our free training, which okay. is called Build a Culture That Wins. Love it's it. about an hour long. Okay. I go over not only these five mm -hmm. pillars of HR, but we also talk about the six most important HR analytics that a company should be measuring and tracking, as well as our four-step system that we use to build a culture that wins season after season. So the training's absolutely free. Good. They can sign up for it. Um, it comes with a workbook. They can go to Game Day. Um, uh, hr.com mm -hmm. slash webinar. Why'd you name it game day? I love sports. You know, yeah. I wanted, yeah, yeah. I just, I, I was a, I am still a huge Phil Jackson fan. Um, and I read all of his books. Yep. And so I think the focus, one of the parallels that I made was a winning organization and a winning sports team. Mm -hmm. And, and the thing about winning sports team, they have a very short time to build their culture and yep. and win a championship. They right. only have one season. So I right. thought if I could create HR systems that can help organizations become champions in one season, which is about three to four months, that was my goal. I think that, right. that I would be able to help so many organizations, not just organizations, but the people of right. the organizations. Right? right? They're the ones that are probably in the most pain, I would yes. say. Um, so that's where the parallel comes from is how do I take – game-winning strategies and put that into culture-winning strategies. I am already obsessed with you. Yeah. This has been a really awesome podcast. Now we try and keep these relatively short so people can like suck up a little bit in between their commutes and everything else. Um, but promise me you're going to come back on the show because yeah. I would love to do maybe a real estate version of the 60-minute session. Would Let's you be do down it. for that? Yes. Okay. So they go back. to they go to uh, gamedayhr.com HR. and somewhere on there you see free sixty minute. Yeah, you there's know, a yada, banner yada, that's yada. gonna pop up. Okay, and good. Yeah, it's it's you got that easy sales and marketing find. thing down. Okay, good. I do. Good. Yeah, and you can also go on social media yeah. at Cat Gazarian or at HR Training Camp. Yes. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Thanks, this Tom. was like a breath of fresh air. I talked to so many CEOs that are all dealing with varying degrees of CEOs, team leaders, individuals, mm -hmm. families, right? So I think if you took the cared approach to your family, the cared approach to your team, the cared approach to your business unit, I think it's going to be really powerful for people. So that was the thing I wanted to tell you yeah. about is obviously I'm a part of a blended family. Yes. So, um, Rich, oh, we yes, this yes. is the pre-podcast conversation. Yeah, Let's drop it now. <laughs> yes. So Richard has three kids yeah. with um, his former mm -hmm. wife, Marissa, and then I have one child mm -hmm. with her mm -hmm. dad, Michael, mm -hmm. and we all get along. Yeah. Um, and so I get asked that all the time is how do you do it? And I we were coming back from SeaWorld for one of the kids' birthdays and yeah. Marissa, we were all there together. And I was thinking, if I can't create harmony in my household, what makes me think I can create harmony in these big organizations? Right. And so the one thing I want to tell CEOs is, how's your personal life? Because if you are unable mm -hmm. to get your household yeah. in line with the same kind of values and create harmony within yep. them, you're going to have a really hard time doing it for hundreds and thousands of employees. So yeah. that was the, the, the huge epiphany that I had. That is a mic drop. The other one is the, hey, I'm taking on this sort of culture of like, hey, I've got 90 days. Mm -hmm. Like I've got spring training and, and you know, whatever, whatever the sort of example metaphor is, but like you got 90 days to get it right. Mm-hmm. And then in that world, if the player isn't performing, they cut them and they bring somebody new in. And how does that impact culture? We'll, we'll have to unpack all that yes. in another show. Um, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate the insights. I, I'm probably one of the few podcasters that's like taking notes because <laughs> I'm always listening to Like I want to learn, like I want to get better. So this was very valuable. Make sure you follow her on social media. Make sure you send this to a friend or two that um, an employee, a teammate, a CEO, a leader, 
who's also dealt with some of the struggles because there's just so many insights for you and for them. So we'll look forward to seeing you guys on the next podcast. Thank you so much as always. And thank you. Thanks. Bye. If you want more information about this episode, including my show notes, mentions, links, and everything else, make sure you visit tomferry.com slash podcast. That's tomferry.com slash podcast. Thanks again and talk to you soon.